Thank you all for being here to experience the worship time that we've had together today. I wouldn't miss it. Anybody ever have any dark days? Anybody ever have any times where you're like, I don't know if I can take it another day? One of the things that God has given us is the church. This is a refuge in the middle of the storm, and Jesus is on the boat. And as Ryan taught us last Wednesday, if Jesus is on the boat, the boat's not going down. Amen? Amen. About a week ago, Saturday, we sang that song for my mother's funeral. And it's very special to me. Mandy, thank you for singing that for us. And if you've got any loved ones that's gone on, there is great hope. This isn't all there is, folks. We have a tendency, because we're human, to see what we can see. And we make judgments based upon what we see this way. Over the next three months, we're going to teach you how to get your eyes more focused on the unseen. The men's group is going to be doing this for the next eight weeks on Monday nights, and we're going to do this, these ideas for the next quarter because it's so important. One of the things that I learned last year was that in large measure, I had missed the big picture. For 30-something years, I've been in the pastoral ministry, and I've worked here and in Tennessee, much time in Tennessee. I've about been here longer than I, have, than I was in Tennessee now. Yeah, praise God. Usually, I'm, you know, I keep U-Haul on speed dial. You know, in, past, in the pastorate, if you preach a bad sermon or two, it's not long. You've got to find another job. You guys have been very gracious because I know I've preached more than two bad ones. It's a joke, y'all. Lighten up. <laughs> Amen? Well, I love my church. I love my church. And uh, you guys have been better to me than any church that I've ever been a part of. And I'll say that often. And I learned a lot about church growth. Went to seminars about every year. Bought the newest books. Stayed in touch with things like Church Growth Magazine and such. And as far as it goes, I love the idea of growing the church. Let me just say what I think. Three months from now, we're going to see the church grow. Amen. Because as trouble comes, people start to recognize that they need hope and strength and something bigger than what they can see on this side. And the church provides that because God has given us the keys to the kingdom of God. And so a lot of my ministry was focused on church growth. Well, when a pandemic comes in and people stop going to church, it's really hard to grow your church. I discovered that. First week or two, we didn't know what to do. We'd never dealt with that before. But after about one or two weeks, there's a stirring inside of me that says, we're not doing this right. The idea that the federal government or anyone else, for that matter, could say stop meeting is just not biblical. Amen. Somebody would say, well, you're making it dangerous for somebody. Even if that were true, I can't imagine Jesus saying, hey, guys, you're going to follow me, but I'm going to make sure you're safe. 
Most of the disciples that followed Jesus were martyred. Now you might as well say amen because that's what happened. But yet they counted the cost that this is better for us because we're a part of something bigger than us. And that's who we are. We are not here for us. And so even in the idea of church growth, we realize that, you know, church growth isn't the point of it. If I try to grow the church, I can miss some of the bigger picture. Let me, let me show you why. Some places find it easy to grow the church. All they got to do is just make the message easy. Because American Christians like the idea of comfort. We don't want to be persecuted. We don't want to have to pick up a cross. Jesus walked around and said things like, pick up a cross. That'd be like me saying, if you want to follow Jesus, pick up the electric chair and follow him. And people would say, Jesus, you're crazy. But Jesus said that. And he said, count the cost. And I will say to you, if you're going to follow Jesus, you must count the cost. Well, why do we do that? We're not going to try to grow the church. We're going to try to advance the kingdom of God. And when I got my focus on the kingdom of God, then I started discovering things. And, and if you'll, I'll challenge you this. Just read the New Testament. Read the Gospels and find out how many times Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God all over the place. He told Nicodemus, except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So if you can't really see what I'm talking about today, you need to be born again. You need to stop seeing it with the human eyes and start seeing it with spiritual eyes. That's why we're calling this the big picture. We're going to be using Ephesians chapter 6 a lot. But today I want to go from Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 is in the context of where Jesus was doing his ministry and everybody was talking about it. And Jesus is a master teacher. He could use all types of things to get his point across. And in this time, he did a question. Have you ever been sitting in a sermon or during a sermon, someone's preaching, and, and the minister asks you a question? You know, the minister doesn't ask you the question without really knowing what he's going to say to you. When Jesus asked this question, he knew where he was going with this. So he asked the, his disciples, he said, hey, guys, not that he didn't know the answer. But he was trying to teach them something. He said, hey guys, who do people say that I am? Now, if you want to really connect with people, use questions. Because that draws people out. That's why we do that sometimes. We try to ask you questions and try to get you to lay down your defenses and just think about what we're trying to say to you. Who do you say that... Who do people say that I am? And one guy says, oh, some people think you're John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Herod thought that. Some people say that you're a prophet. Some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're somebody else. And then Jesus made it personal. He said, who do you say that I am? And the spokesman, who was always the first to speak, and he got it right, he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, you got it. Now, he went from getting it right, Jerry, to losing it pretty quickly. But Jesus said to him, 
I also say to you that you're Peter, saying that Peter's confession of faith was correct. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, or gates of Hades, will not overpower it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And that's in Matthew 16. This dialogue went from the focus on what people said to the faith in Jesus, which is what Peter said. And finally, Jesus says that faith is the foundation of the church. That's what Jesus said. So Jesus is using some new terms. He's talking about a rock, which is foundational. He uses the word church, which is the Greek word ekklesia which means a called out assembly. Then he uses the word Hades, which everyone understood to be the realm of the dead. Hades is a Greek word translated hell in our English Bible. Some translations use the old Greek word, which is fine. Then he uses the word keys. Hadn't heard that one yet. Keys to what? Keys to the kingdom. Y'all have any keys today? They're your keys open. Has anybody had to look for their keys this morning? I found a set of keys in the office this morning. I have no idea whose they are. We find things here at the church. Believe it or not, we have a lost and found. You may not know where it is. Sometimes we lose where that is. But it's amazing. We find, listen, we find shoes. Now imagine that. Somebody comes to church and goes home without their shoes. I don't know. A lot of my life is spent looking for keys. But I finally figured it out. You get a place at home, and when you come home, you throw them in that one place, and you're, you're good. But that didn't solve my problem of finding my car. Anybody ever do that? You know, I just noticed... I think Robin pointed it out. The, the, the aisles are numbered. <laughs> Never noticed that before. And I'll, I'll, I'll park. I'll park in the very first place I find. Some of you guys will drive around for 10 minutes looking for a closed parking place. I'm just like, there it is. I get out. I go in. And then when I come out, I don't remember where I parked. And I always think I know where it is, but I go there, and, it, and it's not. Have you ever gotten in a car that wasn't yours? We were on our way to Birmingham to the men's conference a couple of years ago. And at that time, I think I had a, a Mazda van. Anybody remember that? Somebody's laughing. You're laughing at me, aren't you? Yeah, okay. It'll happen to you someday, bro. And we went in, you know, they got this big rocket ship, you know, when you get into Alabama and there's a, a rest stop. And when a bunch of guys are traveling about every 20 minutes, we have to stop anyway. So we got out, and we went in, and I got back out. You know, I'd seen all I wanted to see, and I got back out. Some of the guys were still in there, and I just got in my car. I got my keys out, and I put it in. I tried to start it. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't even go in. I start to look around. This is not my car. <laughs> what I discovered is my keys won't work in someone else's car, and neither were yours. And the point that I'm trying to make today is that God has given us keys, but keys to something and we have to use the keys to what they're fit to open. 
And Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And he says things like, I will allow you to open some doors and shut some doors. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand what Jesus has given us? You got the keys, you have to use it, but you got to get in the right car. You see, the church is the ecclesia, the called out one, which has been given the keys. And as such, we are a called out assembly. And Jesus says, in this called out assembly, the gates of Hades will never prevail against us. Now, what that means is, there's always something going on. There's a battle going on. And in the battle, the gates of Hades is fighting against the church. And you notice this, the church is not fighting against the gates of Hades. The gates of Hades is trying to stop the church. So there's a lot we can take away. If we think that we're only going to stop evil, we're on the wrong side of this fight. You see, when the church is doing what the church is called to do, which is a called-out assembly, not a called-in assembly, the idea that we can have an assembly not assembled is ridiculous. We have to be an assembly, a called-out assembly, and when we have a called-out assembly and we're moving forward in the kingdom of God and operating in the kingdom of God and we got the keys in the ignition, the gates of Hades tries to stop us. But Jesus says they never will. They never have. The focus here was that what was seen is less than the unseen. So why we call it the big picture. What was seen is less than the unseen. Jesus <clears throat> is giving us a view of the big picture. So I want to talk to you today on what the big picture looks like, what's going on in the realms that we can't even see, and what we as Eastland Life Church have chosen <clears throat> to function in and to utilize working in the great work of expanding the kingdom of God. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there are conflicting kingdoms. A long time before we ever showed up on the scene, and way before Adam, in the realm that we call eternity, God began to create things. Now, somebody say, when did that happen? I don't know. I wasn't there. And I really don't know exactly how it looked. The only thing that I know is that God created heaven God created angels. He created beings to serve him. And what the New Testament looks like or what the Bible looks like is that there were some angels that were more prominent than others. We might call them archangels. Anybody ever heard of the angel Gabriel? Heard of the angel Michael? Maybe you have heard of an angel that has been given the name Lucifer. Now, I did a lot of study about the word on Lucifer. Lucifer is not actually a Greek word. It's actually a Latin word. So it pretty well got added to our Bible maybe when the Latin Vulgate version was, was written. The word Lucifer means day star, shining one. And Isaiah refers to him, and I'll get to that in a moment. But the, what it looks like to me is that God created, he created angels with the purpose of serving him. Can we take a side note? Everything God created was created to worship him and serve him. Amen. That is even you. You weren't created to work, get your 401k, live a cushy life, and then die when it's all over. That's not why God created you. 
Now, you might seek to live that life, but that life, and, that, and, and can we be honest? Don't most people think that way? I mean, don't most people think my purpose in life is to make a living and survive? And I'm going to say to you today that that's not what God created you to do. God's purpose for you is quite more narrow than that, wouldn't you think? God created you to serve him. God created angels to serve him. God created Lucifer to serve him. And from what we can understand from the scripture, it looks like Lucifer was very involved in serving God. That There's a lot said about him through Ezekiel chapter 28 and Isaiah chapter 14. But something happened. Something happened in this angel that he decided... I don't want this anymore. And my, my team is so far, they're, they're doing such a great job. This scripture was later in the message, but they've got it up. This is what Isaiah said concerning the king of Babylon, which when you look at the language, I believe it can also be applied to this one who was in the presence of God, but then he was cast down. He says, how have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn? You have been cut down to the earth, you who have weakened the nations. But you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly in the recesses of the north. But I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the pride that was in the heart of the king of Babylon. And it's the same pride that was in the heart of Lucifer. Because the Bible says in the New Testament... That we ought not to uh, make someone a leader in Timothy, First Timothy chapter three verse six, because we are not to make a person, a young person, an elder too quickly, not a new convert, because he can become conceited. See the word conceited, and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. What is that? The the condemnation of pride. The Bible is clear that pride comes before fall. And for whatever it looks like, there was this angel that we're going to call Lucifer that decided, I want what God has. You see, God alone is creator. Lucifer is created. God alone is worshiped. Lucifer was created to worship God. You see, God is the one that raised us up. God is the one that set the heavens into place. God is the one that spun the universe into, into orbit. God is the one that determined where you would live and determined your name and determined the day that you leave this place. One of the things that just drives me crazy is when I hear people going, Oh, this virus took someone. Let me tell you the truth. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the only one that can take you is the Lord that bought you. And the Lord Jesus Christ will bring you home when he's ready for you. That's why the Bible tells us not to count our life as to be dear. In fact, the Bible says if you seek your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you're going to find it. So the kingdom of God and then the kingdom of darkness. This one found himself to be envious. And the Bible talks about a rebellion in heaven. See, God removed Lucifer. God cast him down from his high place and relegated him to the third planet from the sun. The conflict now comes to earth. 
And somebody will say, well, God, you created these angels and, and Lucifer, and we think that a whole bunch of angels followed him. In fact, we're sure of that. We just don't know how many. And those angels followed Lucifer in the rebellion, and we call them demons at this point. And they come to the earth, and so someone could say, well, God, your plan didn't work. But God said, I'm not done. Somebody say it. I'm not done. I'm not done. God said he wasn't done. So in the counsels of God, God comes up with a plan, and I don't know exactly how it looked, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit. Here, here's what we're going to do. You see, if you don't believe in a triune God, you can't have counsels. <laughs> you can't have a counsel with yourself. And so the triune God gets together and said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to create mankind. And look at what mankind ends up being. Look at the scripture here. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels. You see that? Leave that scripture up. You made them a little lower than the angels. So here's the deal. God created the angels and Lucifer and possibly as high as one third of the angels fell because they decided, yes, Lucifer has a better plan. We will follow him. And they were cast down. So God says, I tell you what, I'm not done. I'm going to do more than this. I'm going to create something even lower than the angels. And that's who we are. God created humans. We're less than angels. Just a little side note, in spiritual warfare, you know who you're fighting? According to Ephesians chapter 6, you're not fighting humans, you're fighting angels. You're fighting demons. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the air. You see, you might think that your spouse is your problem. Your spouse isn't your problem. You might think that your job is your problem. Your job is not your problem. You might think that your government is your problem. Your government is not your problem. You know who your problem is? It's in the realm of the spiritual uh, realm of the air, the principalities and powers and authorities. So God said, I'm going to make mankind. And so in the big picture, here's what God's going to do. God is going to use man to overcome this third of angels that fell. God is now going to demonstrate that he can do more with less when the less is dependent upon him than he can do with the more when the more is in rebellion against him. That's where we come in. You are a part of the grand scheme of what God is doing, the grand plan of God to overcome these angels that said, I will rebel against God, but you can only do it if you are dependent on God. Amen. If you have the spirit that says, I will do it my way, you're more like Satan than you are about Jesus. I get that way sometimes, don't you? Sometimes I, I get, in my prayer life, I'm like, God, I don't understand why you allowed this. God, you surely didn't do this right. Or God, we missed it somewhere, and God's like, I've got this. In every situation, including the uproar that's happening in our country, God's not done. Amen. Isn't that good? So God created man and put him in paradise. He put him in Eden. He said, here it is. You got everything. There's just one thing you can't do. What do you think man did? 
You see, Satan was already here. You see, God changed his name to Satan, by the way. He went from Lucifer to Satan. You know why? Because God always changes your name to match your character. The early church was called Christians because they were acting Christ-like. I dare say many Christians today do not act Christ-like. We're looking for disciples today. People who will actually follow Jesus, pick up the cross, and move with the keys in the ignition. So mankind was placed here, and here comes Sneaky Snake. And he begins to say, you know what? You can have something better than this. God is not being good to you. You don't have to put up with that. God's keeping something from you. And the Bible says that Eve saw that it was good to eat and pleasant to the eyes and desired to make one wise. Doesn't that sound like Satan? Same thing that happened in heaven happened in Eden. So Satan's like, I got you. Mankind fell. Mankind fell. Plan of God ruined. Nope. Because God says, I'm not done. God said in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, that was the first time that God had spoken of a Messiah. But God said, I'm going to take of this woman, she's going to have a seed that's going to crush the head of this enemy that has fallen from heaven. So the battle is on. God says, I'm going to use man, I'm going to use Messiah, I'm going to overcome darkness through this. Satan says, I'll counter that move. I'll cause man to sin. God says, okay, I'll raise, I'll raise up Abel. Satan says, I'll counter that move. I'll bring Cain in and I'll kill Abel. God says, I'll counter that move. I'll provide Seth. And history moves forward. And one day the Nephilim are controlling the world. And the Bible says that every thought of man was evil continually. So God says, I'll counter that move. I'll raise up Noah. After that, there's a man named Nimrod. He comes in and he says, I'm going to build cities that are going to bring glory to me. We're going to do this ourselves. And one day they gathered at a place called Babylon. God says, I'll counter that move. I'll just confuse your language. One day God said, I'll raise up Abraham. And from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob comes the nation of Israel. And I'm going to use Israel. And we're going to overcome you with Israel. And God says, and Satan says, I'll counter that move. I'll put Israel in Egypt. And God says, I'll counter that move. I'll just raise up Moses. And Moses will lead them out of Egypt. And Satan says, I'll counter that move. And I'll take this nation of Israel. And I'll make their religion so worthless and useless and traditional, I'll bind them up with their traditions. And 400 years of silence comes in, and one day God says, I'll counter that move. Here comes John the Baptist saying the Messiah is on his way. Amen. And finally, it encompasses in one day, John the Baptist is, get, is baptizing. He looks out and he says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's God's final move. He baptizes Jesus, and the Holy Spirit comes, and the Father says, This is my beloved Son, hear ye him. Jesus begins to preach and teach for three and a half years, and Satan's like, i got to stop him. Satan sent the, the religious crowd after him to try to trip him up. They never could. They tried in every way to stop him and stop him and stop him, and one day Satan said, You know what? I'll just join his groove. 
And he came in through a man named Judas, and he said, you know what? We'll get rid of this guy. We'll get rid of him once for all. And Satan's looking one day, and he looks up on Golgotha, and he sees Jesus on the cross. And Satan's like, I got him now. Oh, but three days later, it was not over. God says, I'm not done yet. And God raised him from the dead. And ladies and gentlemen, today, according to the New Testament, we have now won the victory in Jesus Christ. We are now the church. Jesus said, I am making my church. I'm calling out my church. And on the day of Pentecost, he gave his church the Holy Spirit. And now we, mankind, can overcome the enemy. Praise God. God becomes a man and the God-man dies and he says, I'm going to build my church. Ladies and gentlemen, the big picture is this. There are conflicting kingdoms. There's this kingdom and this one. The battle, ladies and gentlemen, is not left versus right. The battle is not even communism versus capitalism. The battle is not Baptist against Methodists. The battle is not Christianity versus Islam. The battle's not even between God and the devil. You say, but that's what you've been saying. No, no, you're misunderstanding me. To say that there's a battle between the creator God and a created being is like saying that I'm going to go outside and get in a fight with Jim Borum. There might be a fight, but it won't last long. And I'm not saying I'd win. Tony Evans said it's like him having a fight with Mike Tyson. Be a lot of blood, but there wouldn't be a fight. Between God and the devil, there's no battle. The battle is hell versus the church. Why do you think everyone in, in the world wants the church to be silent and to go away? Because that's where the battle is located. Jesus has the keys and he has given the keys to his church. You, ladies and gentlemen, will win by faith when you have faith in he who has already won. But here's the point. You cannot be a citizen of both kingdoms. We live in, a, in an age of Christianity where we want to have a little bit in this side and a little bit on this side. And we're going to straddle the fence and we're not going to disrupt people here and we're not going to disrupt people here. And, and you know why we do that? You know why we compromise so much? You know why we give in to godless doctrines of demons? Because we're acting just like Satan. I want my way. I want to do my thing. I want to do what's right in my own eyes. Jesus said this, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. I thought it was so interesting that Jesus speaking of hell in the church, he said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Same Greek word. Jesus said, there's a wide gate and there are many on it. 
This whole world might feel like, well, we've got the majority now and we're all feeling good. But if you're going through that gate, it leads to destruction. Jesus said the only people that's in his kingdom, they go through a narrow gate. Listen, only a few find it. My point to you this morning is this. You can win, but only if you've come through that gate. And if you don't know that you've come through that gate, today is the day that you do that. How do I get through that gate? Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You can't see any of this without that. But I want you to know today, as surely as the young man who came last night and confessed Christ, you can do that today. God's grace is here for you today. It's time that we make the people in this side uncomfortable so that they realize that this is leading to death. Ladies and gentlemen, it's like you being on the interstate and the bridge is out going over the, the, the river. And if you keep going on that road, you're going to eventually fall off and plunge into destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, this gate leads to hell. This gate leads to life. And for those that find it today, I want you to know you are not a loser. You're a winner because your Lord and Savior conquered this gate. This gate will never destroy this gate. Somebody can praise God for that today. Amen. Thank God for victory. And I'm going to ask our team to come and I'm going to ask you, have you entered in through that gate today? Spiritual warfare teaching will mean nothing to you if you're not a born-again believer. Would you bow your head for just a minute? Are you born again or not? Do you belong to Jesus Christ or not? I want you to hear me. Last Thanksgiving, my family was together. And whenever we have a holiday... I always like to say before we pray, let's look around the room and let's acknowledge the fact that we don't know if we're ever all going to be together again. And that came true this year. But here's what I do know. The one we lost this year, we lost her. Heaven gained her. Can you say that? I can almost guarantee you that in this room today, we most likely will never all of us be together again in this format. And so as you hear me speaking to you today, would you make sure that you've entered in through that gate? Jesus is alive and Jesus has purchased life for you. And all you must do today is trust him by faith.